This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Here's a question for you. Could it be that the leaders of the Mormon church simply don't know that their doctrine doesn't line up with the Bible? Do they simply not understand that Joseph Smith is not who he says he was? Well, Jake Hilton exposes the truth of what's going on, and in his words, their actions are deliberate and malicious. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Along. What a week. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Wow. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. You know, it's not by accident. According to Jake Hilton, a man whose family goes back seven generations in the Mormon church, a man who grew up in the Mormon church, a man whose job was to defend the Mormon faith, he now says the Mormon church is dangerous. He'll share some eye-opening things tonight in the third episode of our six-episode series, Why I Left Mormonism. Now, as far as you and I are concerned, it's time we left the 10th month because the new moon has been sighted. It's the first Shabbat of the 11th month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar, the calendar with the longest name on the face of the earth. Now, please welcome my co-host, David Robinson. Welcome, sir. Good to be here, good to be here. You know, this is uh, like the last chance to get our love gifts. I want yes. to talk about this, first of all, because we talk about uh, Jake Hilton and the uh, the Mormon church and all that kind of thing, but there's there's stuff going on also, current events, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, you know Russia and Ukraine, obviously been going on for a while now, uh, all the other things going on in the world, but there's something we're missing. And well, it's usually that way, isn't it? Usually, it, yeah. usually there's a the black swan, and then the narrative is over here. Right, right? yeah, this whole yeah. smoke screen smoke thing screen, going on. Yeah. And so uh, something that a lot of Israelis are very focused on, especially Avi Lepkin, who teaches on this mm -hmm. month's Love Gift, he's talking about Turkey and the Armageddon. Now he's been in uh, Israeli politics, he's run for office a couple of times, never made it in, but he's run it you know, to the best he can. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is actually running on a platform, interestingly enough, that, uh, that has Jews and Christians hand in hand, mm -hmm. and wants to bring Judeo-Christian values to the Knesset. Oh, wow. So that's what he's running on. And he's quite popular. He hasn't got there yet, but obviously it's politics. Yeah, right? politics. So, you know, yeah. But whatever, he's, he's standing for the truth, which is really great. So um, he is a political analyst as well. I just want to read something about this teaching he gives. So Turkey and the Armageddon with Middle East expert and political analyst Avi Lipkin provides important geopolitical history and biblical context that most of us in the West are missing, uh, especially when it comes to the fate of Israel. Yeah. So he is an expert on this stuff. The reason why we have this on a love gift is because we couldn't put this on YouTube. Oh yeah. Because he did a several series teaching with us. It's coming up a little bit later in the year. But this one we want, whoo, that's hot. We cannot put that on YouTube because it talks about, uh, well, quite honestly, the Muslim faith, things that are happening in the backgrounds, and just stuff that we would probably get flagged for. 
So we're not gonna put this on YouTube, we're gonna put it on DVD though, and you can get this teaching. Uh, but in addition to the teaching, we have some pretty neat stuff. Yes, we do. And David, you are uh, directly involved in this thing. Let's hold this yeah, up. Let's hold this. So this is like for a gift of $50 or more, you'll get the turkey and the Armageddon. Oh, let's not hold it upside down. Is that right? There we, oh, there there we, we go. go, there we go. We're, there we go. Okay, uh, and for a gift of $100 or more, you'll also get this thing. This beautiful blanket. This is the, uh, the peace blanket. Yes. Uh, with peace in several different languages. And the one we always joke about at the bottom here. Fred. Fred. I, I don't even know what language that is. <laughs> do but... Peace, Fred. Or yeah. shalom, Fred, as we, <laughs> we, we joke. But anyway, it says, peace I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not the peace that the world gives you, but I give you the real peace. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. From John 14, 27, of course, spoken by Yeshua. Yes. So that is for a gift of $100 or more, and for $300 or more, you'll get both of those things plus, plus. that hefty little thing. Oh, you get this, uh, what is that, 12, 13 inches tall? Yep. Uh, menorah, and um, it's a beautiful piece, very heavy. So wives, it uh, can be used as a weapon if your husbands don't clean up the bedroom. You can just hit them with it. Yep. But uh, yeah, this is a beautiful piece. I think it's one of the nicest pieces it's we've brass. ever had. It's brass, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's four, Very heavy. four pounds or something to yeah. that effect. So that is just a, that's our beautiful love gift for this month. Again, this is your last chance to get it. I mean, today being uh, the 27th, 28th, mm -hmm. whenever you're seeing this, uh, there's only a few days left. And then, of course, we get into next month's love gift. And then all this goes away. So other than maybe uh, a Mission Monday coming up in you know November, yes. uh, there may not be another opportunity to get this. So... Another thing we want to talk about, David, is now speaking of a seven-branch menorah, mm -hmm. something that uh, Jake talks about in this teaching tonight is all about the Netzer. Mm -hmm. And so we all know the story of the Netzer. This is rotting stump of Jesse. Mm -hmm. There's the root and then the Netzer, the sort of the, the, shoot. the shoot that comes out right. at the end. And that, of course, is Yeshua. Yeah, Yeshua. We know this, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, he talks about how well the, the Mormons, Mormons think it's Joseph Smith. Yeah, they don't see it that way. No, they, they see, it as, see it, Mormon, that way they no. see it as Joseph Smith. Absolutely. And it's like, what? How can you see that as Mormon Smith? Or, or uh, Joseph Smith. And so they have a different idea about salvation as well, mm -hmm. where it's like, well, Yeshua, yes, he's the Savior, but you the only work. way to get to the Savior has to go through Joseph Smith. Yeah, and through his writings, and the three documents. Writings. That, yeah, yeah, and exactly. that's something I really appreciate about Jake is because like your friend's... Uh, in the uh, in the restaurant that we talked about, um, and, and where you went to the Mormon church and all that last week, um, it's they 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 don't have anything without their extra books. That's right. If you take those away, all you have is a Torah. Dare I say, you even call it a Torah, but it's been there's several sections added to it. Oh yeah, and you know even even the Gospels, not the Gospel. Yeah, you got the Book of Mormon, the Book of Abraham. I mean, you, they have a lot of different books they use. Yeah. And and all of them have been changed over and over and over. And I think we were talking about that last week. Yeah. He exposed 3,000 doctrinal changes to what was given to Joseph Smith from God. Yeah. I don't think that would need to be changed. Yeah, that's doctrinal change. Now that's doctrinal a, change, not grammatic. Right, I mean, and we're uh, not talking about even what, what Nehemiah and Keith often bring up with the name of God, and that's been changed over the years. But that didn't change the doctrine. Right. Exactly. That's just, that's just, oops, we made a, a goof in the translation. Right. Not doctrinal, oh yeah, it's not X, it's Y now. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, it's, this is going to be a really, really, I can't wait to hear this last one. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. He Jake is, is just he a, is. He's got, like I said, he's got a lot of guts. He's coming against his family, his friends, everything. Yeah, we need to all be praying for him. Yeah. We really hey, do. Yeah, he's really brave actually doing this. He and uh, th this will help other folks who are questioning what they see. You know, we were talking in the background here in the studio about how in a Christian 
typical Christian churches, you know, everybody does things on the weekend, maybe they shouldn't right. be doing it as a believer, they go to church the next morning and everything's okay, and there's a lot of folks in the Christian church might go, you know what, this is messed up. I need a little more structure, and they might be looking to the Mormon church to do that. They do, and the hospitality and, and camaraderie that's within, normally within those church community churches, is very attractive to people who have been hurt. Yep. In church, exactly. You know, um, but you know the danger, like we see in in uh, most cults, you have the disassociation that takes place. So yep. if you leave, if you were going to, you know, elevation or wherever, you know, I'm trying to think of a church close to here, and you leave, okay, you decided to go somewhere else, and good for you, you know. And I hope uh, you find more of Jesus, more of Yeshua on your journey. But when you leave the Mormon Church. You're, they they cut you off. Yeah. I mean, you are not you're not going to be talking to your family probably at all. Absolutely, yeah. So we're going to see more of that tonight from Jake. And could it be that the leaders of the Mormon Church simply don't know that their doctrine does not line up with the Bible? Do they simply not understand that Joseph Smith is not who he says he was? Well, Jake Hilton thinks otherwise. He exposes the truth of what's going on tonight. Stay with us. There is an end time plan advancing right now, but the players may not be who you think they are. Is the media diverting our attention while a more important threat is looming? It's almost 300 million against Israel. And you will also have volunteers, Muslim volunteers from Indonesia, 200 million, India, 120 million. That's Armageddon. Turkey and the Armageddon with Middle East expert and political analyst Avi Lipkin provides important geopolitical history and biblical context that most of us in the West are missing. Turkey and the Armageddon with Avi Lipkin is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in January, we'll send you Turkey and the Armageddon on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you two gifts, Turkey and the Armageddon, plus a custom designed blanket, exclusive to A Rude Awakening International, featuring the Hebrew word Shalom in different languages from around the world. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts, Turkey and the Armageddon, the International Shalom Blanket, and a stunning brass menorah. This beautiful showpiece will be the center of attention in your home standing more than 12 inches tall. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in January. Call 888-766-3610 or Get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. On the morning that the Passover lambs were selected, there were two loaves that were put on the wall of the temple. When the first one was removed, after that, no more leavened bread was eaten. When the second loaf was removed, then all of the leavened bread in the land of Israel was then burned because the Feast of Unleavened Bread was going to commence at sunset that evening. The night before, Yeshua took 
artos. He took leavened bread and he blessed the Most High in the presence of his disciples and he interpreted the Kadosh Mikra, the holy rehearsal that Melchizedek put in place with Abraham. Yeshua said the prayer of the Melech Zadik. Barukata Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaAlam, Hamotzi Lechemim Haaretz. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which is now broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Then Yeshua took the cup. And he said, Barukata Yehovah, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Barei Prihagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And then he said, you take my cup, divide it among yourselves. I will not drink a sip of the fruit of the vine till I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So as often as we do this now, we rehearse not only his death, but we rehearse that we will be at the marriage supper of the lamb, and at the marriage supper of the lamb, he will take his cup and say, Lahaim to life everlasting. And until then, Shabbat Shalom. You know, it's not very often that on Shabbat Night Live, we get to speak with someone who was in the Mormon church, has come out of that, and now is teaching Torah and helping to alert the rest of us as to what is wrong with the Mormon church, not just something askew, but dangerous, as he calls us. So please welcome back to the stage, Jake Hilton. Thank you for joining us again on Shabbat Night Live. Thank you again, Scott. Once again, it is a honor and a privilege to be here. Very happy to be here. Thank you. You know, last time you had educated us on how... Uh, in the Bible, we talk about the the netzer, the yes. root of Jesse, all the rest of it. You took us through the stump and the roots and the netzer and right. what the Bible says about that. And then you're getting to the point, and we had to cut you off because we're running out of time. So we're right. going gonna to pick up where we left off and how the Mormon church sees that as something a little different. Oh, yes, very much so. The Bible is absolutely clear, so obvious, that the branch of righteousness, the netzer, the root of Jesse, this is Yeshua, this is the Messiah, without question. Joseph Smith comes in with his supposed revelation, as you can see here in Doctrine and Covenants section 113, that the stump of Jesse, that is that dead, rotting, decaying stump, by revelation, Joseph Smith says, thus saith the Lord, that stump is Christ. And then he goes on. So the stump, so this is that we have to back up here. That was the dead, decaying part. Yes. Whereas the, the, the Bible the says the stump it's of Jesse, the stump of Jesse is an image you can generalize and make it about the whole house of Israel. Uh, but specifically, when it comes to Isaiah chapter 11 and its context, it's talking about David's royal line, that family line. David, who was planted as that green tree that was lovely and of good fruit that Yehovah references in the book of Jeremiah, and David himself identifies himself as that green tree. But in the time of King Zedekiah, 
Yehovah brings in Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and that tree gets cut down. Mm. But out of its still living root system, there was a family line of David where this branch of righteousness, Yeshua the Messiah, would come out. Joseph Smith, he identifies the stump as Jesus. And then it goes on, DNC 113, three through four, what's that rod or the branch spoken of? Well, thus saith the Lord, it is a servant in the hands of Christ who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as of Ephraim or the house of Joseph on whom there is laid much power. Like, who's this that can't be Christ? And who is the root of Jesse spoken of in the 10th verse of the 11th chapter? Third time, thus saith the Lord, it's this descendant of Jesse as well as Joseph unto whom rightly belongs the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom for an ensign and for the gathering of my people in the last days. What is this really all about? You look at the illustration once again, Joseph Smith and Mormonism, they positively identify that dead, decaying stump as Jesus and then the branch that comes out of the root system, question mark, who is this? This is where we have to pause for a little uh, context, some Torah context about what is a prophet or how do we know that someone is a prophet? Because in the Torah, we actually have objective tests that God provides to us through Moses for identifying a false prophet. Whereas a true prophet, we know that they, they can't add to or subtract from the Torah. If they give any prophecies, then they have to actually happen. They must be true prophecies. And they have to be teaching you to follow, live, have faith, Yehovah God, and walk in his path of his commandments, the Torah. Right. So what we're looking at is Deuteronomy chapter four, verse two, as well as 1232. Do not add to and do not subtract from my word, my commandments. We've got Deuteronomy 13, mm -hmm. that even if there's this prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he's even capable of performing miracles, he performs actual miracles, but he's teaching you something different than what Yehovah has revealed to the house of Israel through his servant Moses some different law, different commandments, different God, anything like that, beware, because that's a false prophet. And then Deuteronomy 18, if someone gives a prophecy and it doesn't happen, it's a false prophet. And when you look at Joseph Smith, he actually fails these three objective tests, all three of them, multiple times. Mm. Here's the con there's the context there. Let's focus on that first objective test, adding to or subtracting from the commandments of God and adding to the Torah. Joseph Smith didn't just add to the Torah. <laughs> he added entire chapters to the Torah, huge sections of the Torah, that it was his claim these were lost sections, ancient sections that Moses wrote, but they were lost and I'm the one that is restoring these. Is this part of the Book of Mormon or what word does that come in? Certain sections of the Book of Mormon do end up in oh, okay. what we can call Joseph Smith's Bible or what Mormons refer to as either the JST Bible or the inspired Bible. JST meaning Joseph Smith translation. Sure. Okay. okay. What we're looking at here 
This is Joseph Smith from the JST Bible, so do not think for one second this is actually found in any of your Bibles. This is the JST Bible, Genesis chapter 50, and the same passage can also be found in the Book of Mormon, chapter uh, 3 of 2 Nephi. And it reads, I, the person speaking here supposedly, is Joseph of Egypt, who is the son of Jacob, I have obtained a promise of the Lord that out of the fruit of my loins, the Lord God will raise up a righteous branch out of my loins. Pause. (laughs) Branch of righteousness, a righteous branch is going to be brought up out of the descendants of Joseph. You remember what DNC 113 was saying? That the rod or the branch is going to be this partly descendant of Jesse and part descendant of Joseph through Ephraim stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is what it's really about. A righteous branch is going to be brought up out of the the line of Joseph of Egypt. A seer shall the Lord my God raise up, who shall be a choice seer unto the fruit of my loins. Thus saith the Lord God of my fathers unto me, a choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loins. And unto him will I give commandment that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy loins, his brethren. And he shall bring them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers, and he shall do whatsoever work I shall command him. And I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work, and he shall be great like unto him. The him there, the context is Moses. He shall be great like unto Moses, whom I have said I would raise up unto you to deliver my people, O house of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. Pause once again. So now he's identified this branch of righteousness, but now he's also made mention that this same individual is going to be great like unto Moses, Mm. as in like a prophet like like Moses. Like Yeshua. Uh, Now we know from Deuteronomy 18, as well as Acts chapter 3, exactly who the prophet like Moses is. It's Yeshua. Mm -hmm. No question. So... He's talked about this branch of righteousness, and now he's you know, also saying that he'll be this, whoever this is, it'll be great like unto Moses. And again, a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, and unto him I will give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. And his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be the name of his father. Pause for a third time. Remember earlier, past episode, Joseph Smith's official name is Joseph Smith Jr. because his father's name was Joseph Smith. Mm. Joseph Smith Sr., Joseph Smith Jr. Here's Joseph Smith in his own Bible, as well as in the Book of Mormon, saying that branch of righteousness and that great seer, great prophet like Moses, his name will be Joseph, just like his father's name is Joseph. Who is Joseph Smith identifying as the branch of righteousness? (laughs) Goodness. He's identifying himself. Make no mistake. Wow. But we go on. We go on. And it shall be after, you know, his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be after the name of his father, and he shall be like unto you, as in like unto you, Joseph of Egypt, for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand shall bring my people unto salvation. Hmm. So let's just break that down and look at this once again. I, Joseph of Egypt, the son of Jacob, have obtained a promise of the Lord that out of the fruit of my loins, the Lord God will raise up a righteous branch. 
that branch of righteousness out of my loins, and his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be after the name of his father, and he shall be like unto you, Joseph of Egypt, for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand shall bring my people unto salvation. Not only is Joseph Smith adding to Torah whole sections of the Torah, this is just one example, but he's exalting himself as that branch of righteousness. He's exalting himself as that prophet like Moses. And he's saying that the work that he does, like the Book of Mormon, the establishment of the LDS Church, Doctrine and Covenants, all of that, it will bring God's people unto salvation. And you'll see a quote coming up from one of the leaders of the LDS Church where it is actually taught, official doctrine of the church, that if it were not for Joseph Smith, there would be no salvation. I know. Like, Talk about just, replacement theology. I mean, your, your eyes are just like as wide as saucers. You're like, I had no idea. What? In there. <laughs> what? Oh, yes. This is, this is official doctrine of the LDS Church. So, getting back to the illustration, what Mormonism teaches is that Jesus Christ is that dead, rotting, decaying stump, and that branch of righteousness that comes out of the roots is Joseph Smith himself. Hmm. That is official doctrine, and it can be shown very, very easily right here. This is from the Book of Mormon Seminary Teacher's Manual. So this is an official publication of the LDS Church. This is their official manual. If you're a seminary teacher, this is what you're going to be teaching your Mormon students. Explain that in 2 Nephi chapter 21, this is referring to the Book of Mormon, okay? The Book of Mormon is, I suppose this is the only aspect of the Book of Mormon that you could say is similar to the Bible, is that it's a volume of books. It's not one book, but it's a collection of books, right? Sure. The first book in the Book of Mormon is called 1 Nephi. second book is called 2 Nephi. So that's what they're referring to here. Explain that in 2 Nephi chapter 21, Nephi, this character Nephi, continued to record the words of Isaiah, who used several symbols as he prophesied of important events that would occur in the latter days. Draw a simple picture of a stump with roots and a small sprout or branch growing out of it, and label it as shown in the accompanying image. Invite a student to read 2 Nephi 21 verse 1 aloud. Ask the class to follow along, looking for how Isaiah described the tree stump and the sprout growing from it. What did Isaiah call the tree stump? Answer, the stem of Jesse. Now that's the King Jamesian language there, but this is the stump of Jesse. And you can see in the illustration, that's exactly what this is. They draw this stump, and then you got the roots, and you got this rod, right, coming out, the branch coming out. What did he call the sprout growing from the stem or the stump? A, a rod or branch is the answer. Now, ask the class to look in the chapter heading of 2 Nephi 21 to discover who the, quote, stem of Jesse is. Who is the stem or the stump of Jesse? Answer, write Jesus Christ on the board next to the word stem, hmm. next to the word stump. This is, this is from the October 2017 Seminary Teacher's Manual. This is as modern as you get, basically, as official manuals from the church. Wow. Stump of Jesse, well, that's Jesus. Let's see what the LDS Church identifies as that, 
that sprout or that, that branch, the rod, right? What do we learn from these verses about the rod and the root of Jesse? Ask a student to read aloud the following statements by Elder Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And this is where we need to actually... The talk. who? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the who? The what? Okay. For someone not familiar with the actual structure of the LDS Church, when it gets to the, the highest tiers of leadership, mm-hmm. you have what's called the First Presidency, and that's made up of three individuals. You got the president of the church, mm-hmm. who is the prophet of the LDS church, and he has two counselors, first and second counselor. Beneath them, you got 12 individuals that they identify as apostles. Because that's, that's the image. Now, remember what we were talking about, how Satan, he takes his lies and he mixes it with truth. This is just one example. Did Jesus call 12 apostles during his mortal ministry? Yes. Most certainly he did. Are these leaders of the LDS Church, can we say that they are uh, parallels to said 12 apostles? They think they are. They think they are. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps in title only. Wow. But that's as far as it goes. That's the actual highest tiers of leadership of the LDS Church. First presidency, three of them, and then 12 men beneath them as the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So this is supposed to be like a trinity followed by 12 apostles or something? or Something like that. Something. You know, it's a total of 15 men. Okay. That's probably the easiest way to explain it, is that the leadership of the LDS Church is made up of these 15 people. And when one passes away, you know, another is brought into the quorum, and by seniority, they work their way up to becoming the president of the church. That's who the president of the church always is. It's He's the one who has been a apostle of the church for the longest time. Okay, sure. That's how it works. So this individual, this is Bruce R. McConkie, and he passed away in 1985, but he was one of those 12. So it says here, ask a student to read aloud the following statement by Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Ask the class to listen for the identity of the rod, the branch of Jesse, and the root of Jesse. Quote, Are we amiss in saying that the prophet here mentioned is Joseph Smith, to whom the priesthood came, who received the keys of the kingdom and who raised the ensign for the gathering of the Lord's people in our dispensation? And is he not also the servant in the hands of Christ, who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as of Ephraim, or of the house of Joseph, on whom there is laid much power? Now, you're probably familiar with that quote by now. Mm -hmm. Yes. That was what we read earlier from Doctrine and Covenant section 113. So here, leader of the LDS Church going, are we amiss in saying that? Is Is this not who Joseph Smith is? That's exactly what they teach because the manual says, quote, whom do the rod and root of Jesse represent? After students respond, write Joseph Smith on the board next to the words roots and rod. How do they correlate this? Well, I mean, they say it's, <laughs> so they're descendants from way back in Ephraim. Right. How can they justify that saying, oh, yeah, this, this guy's from Ephraim? Or is that like oh, they, they spiritual descendants of they some can't. kind? Or? Oh, they absolutely can't. There's no way. They just make these claims. They, they and... <laughs> And even if, even if there was some kind of objective 
evidence that could show a, a genealogical line of Joseph Smith all the way back to Ephraim and then Joseph, who was sold into Egypt. Right. Well, that's irrelevant because that's not what Isaiah chapter 11 is about. Isaiah chapter 11 is about this branch of righteousness that will come just of Jesse's line, who is of the tribe of Judah. It has nothing to do with Joseph. But Joseph Smith, that is, he makes it about this Joseph of Egypt through Ephraim's line, that this, brought, this branch of righteousness and the root of Jesse, he, he'll partly be a descendant of Jesse, but he'll also partly be a descendant of Joseph and his son Ephraim. Sounds like mixing to me. Uh, <laughs> Literally mixing. Let's this, partly let's, this, partly that. Let's just take these pitch black evil lies of the enemy Let's mix it with just a little bit of truth, just enough so that someone who doesn't know their Bible won't see it, and that's the main thing. If you know your Bible, well, then you're gonna see right through lies like this. But if you're born and raised in a religion that from the cradle to the grave, you are taught, actually taught, to doubt the Bible and not really trust what it says, and certainly don't study it mm. and research it, you're going to read DNC 113 or this JST Bible, Genesis chapter 50, or Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapter 3 or 21, and these things are just going to fly right over your head. You'll just accept 100% what the LDS Church teaches, and they do. And this is why it's so important to teach our children the Torah day and night. Write it on, your, on the doorposts of your home. Write it on your gates. Write it everywhere. The when they wake up, when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. every, teach them the Torah so they won't fall into this. There, there's a warning right there. We're going to come back with more. There, there's obviously more to this story. So oh, Jake, yes. hang on a second. Thank you for bringing Jake here through your donations that make Shabbat Night Live happen and brings Jake here all the way from Utah. And uh, he's got a great message for us here today. So I hope you're enjoying it. We'll be right back with more. Thank you for your donations that keep Shabbat Night Live going. Thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. Thank you, thank you. And if you thought that the first section was shocking, you wait till this section. <laughs> Jake, well, during the break, you told me something I don't know if our audience is gonna be ready for. You told me and I went, what? So the first part was surprising enough. Joseph Smith is that Netzer. It's not Yeshua. He's that the rotting stump. So what else can you tell Official church doctrine of wow. Mormonism. This is what has been taught from the days of Joseph Smith. It's what they still teach to this day. Yeah. The dead decaying stump, that's Jesus. But our founder, our leader, Joseph Smith, he is this branch of righteousness. He is that prophet like Moses. He is that root of Jesse. I mean, we read before Revelation 22, Jesus himself speaking, I am that root and offspring of David. Oh, no, 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 that's Joseph Smith, as mm. Mormonism would, would say. So we get back to this illustration. This is 100% official church doctrine, LDS church doctrine. Jesus Christ, he's the stump. Joseph Smith is that shoot, that branch, that root of Jesse. And this is that next uh, thing, that slug to the gut. So I know you're prepared for what's coming, but audience... Buckle up, because <laughs> we read a quote before from Bruce R. McConkie, mm -hmm. one of the leaders of the LDS Church. He was a member of the 12 Apostles, as they're called. This next quote, also from the same man, Bruce R. McConkie. Oh, okay. Here we go. Bruce R. McConkie said, 
If it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, there would be no salvation. There is no salvation outside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So in other words, Joseph Smith <laughs> is, is it Joseph Smith is the salvation or the church is the salvation? Ooh, this or is where it gets a little tricky. Now, somebody might read a quote like that and jump to the conclusion that Mormons teach, you know, Jesus Christ has nothing to do with our religion. It's all Joseph Smith. It's all the church. Mormons still believe, they do believe in, at least I should say, a version of Jesus Christ. They still have that teaching and claim that Jesus is at the, the head of their church, the head of their faith. I mean, they do call their church the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so you got to give them, you know, at least that much credit. But they exalt Joseph Smith to such a high degree that they say, Joseph Smith is second to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. In fact, that is also from the same book, Doctrine and Covenants. There is a section in Doctrine and Covenants, it's section 135, written by an individual named John Taylor, who was the third president of the church, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and then there's this John Taylor individual. And what he wrote in Doctrine and Covenants is that Joseph Smith has done more for the salvation of the souls of mankind than anyone else save Jesus only. Mm. So it's like there's, there's Jesus, and just beneath Jesus, there's this Joseph Smith. And in this quote, Bruce R. McConkie, he references this restoration. What's, that, what's this whole restoration? Again, he says, if it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, there would be no salvation. This is one of those foundational doctrines of Mormonism, is that truth was lost. 40,000 Bible manuscripts or fragments of manuscripts have been discovered, and not a single one of them supports any Joseph Smith translation or Joseph Smith interpretation of the Bible. It just doesn't exist. But one of the founding doctrines of Mormonism is that with the ascension of Jesus into heaven and then decade, over the next several decades, the death of the first century apostles, the truth was lost, it was twisted, it was completely destroyed. Entire sections of the Bible were removed and there needed to be this restoration. And that's where Joseph Smith steps in mm. because his claim is that God and Jesus appeared to him, angels appeared to him, they called him to do this work of restoring the true gospel. But that's where you all, all you need to do, as we've been talking about, you just need to compare these two. Compare the gospel that's revealed to us through God's word, the Holy Bible, and then compare the so-called gospel of Mormonism. Do these actually harmonize? Do they make this, are they same? Or do they, are they in total conflict one with another? They're in complete conflict, total conflict. They teach a completely different gospel, completely different God, and a completely different Jesus Christ. Mm. Joseph Smith, he may have had this claim of restoring truth, but the only thing he was doing is being led by the enemy, Hasatan, in teaching the grandest of lies, which 
to this day successfully deceives literally millions of people. There are globally now, in Mormonism, 16 million members of that church. And they've, they've just been led carefully, step by step by the enemy, down that, that tunnel towards ever-deepening darkness. And I'm sure the leadership thinks they're doing the right thing. They are as deceived as anyone else. Or would you differ? Would you, would okay. you argue? Now, I've been asked this before. I've been asked this before. Jake, do you think that the leadership of the church is deceived and just completely ignorant to what's going on, ignorant to the facts? Or do you think that they know the truth, but they are literally suppressing the truth in unrighteousness? And there was a time, uh, actually for several years, where I would like to have thought it was just strictly ignorance. They, they just don't know, they're ignorant to the facts, uh, and they're just completely and totally deceived. But over these last uh, couple of years, just continuing my study and my research and seeing the things that leaders of the church have taught, I, I know that these people do know. They're, they're not ignorant. They do know that the religion Joseph Smith established is in no way whatsoever in harmony with the Bible. They know that. They know that there are very, very ugly truths regarding the history of Mormonism and uh, coming up in future teachings. We're gonna be focusing on one of them. It's called the Book of Abraham. They know these things without any question. They just deliberately ignore them, push them aside, sweep them under the rug, and teach their membership something else. Don't, don't focus on this stuff. You just focus on what we teach you. Mm. It's, it's very deliberate and malicious. So yes, I would have loved for a time to have thought they're just being deceived. But I can't believe that anymore. I believe, and based on the evidence, I can say I know that they're actual deceivers, not just deceived. Wow. So getting back to Bruce R. McConkie, if it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, referring to that, that whole restoration of this supposed true gospel through Joseph Smith, there would be no salvation. There is no salvation outside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's what's taught. That's what's believed. Jesus is, you know, there and it's through Jesus that we're saved, but Jesus needed this Joseph Smith character to step in, restore the truth, and it's through that restored gospel that you're saved. Mm. So they, they teach that Jesus saves, but they really teach Jesus saves through them. You see how that, that works? Yes. The, the truth of the Bible is that God, Yehovah the Almighty, saves and saves through his beloved son, Yeshua the Messiah. That's the truth. That's the true path of salvation, of life everlasting. Mormonism steps in and goes, well, it's, it's a little bit different. Jesus saves and saves through us, the LDS church. Because without those, that revelation that Joseph Smith had, none of this would work. Is that what they're saying? It, it wouldn't work, but Beyond that, the LDS Church provides, um, specifically in their temples, 
what they call saving ordinances, actual ritualistic type ordinances, which anyone can look into online. And what you'll see is that they're basically Masonic secret handshakes and secret symbols and passwords. That's basically what it is. It's, it's just, it's, it's a version of Masonry, Freemasonry. Mm. And they label these things as saving ordinances. You need these ritualistic ordinances that only we can provide and they are necessary for your salvation. Mm. So it's like, Jesus still saves, but he saves through us and the ordinances we provide for you. You have to be baptized into the LDS church. Uh, We are the ones who gift you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and you need these saving temple ordinances. Mm. Sounds like you must be circumcised in order to be saved. (laughs) Certainly a... uh, Talk about being in contradiction with the Bible. I mean, well... Even if the, the problem with these ordinances is they have nothing, they have no biblical, you know, <laughs> at least circumcision had, you know, at least uh, its roots in Torah, right? It's <laughs> um, gray area. It, but but <laughs> these things from, from Mormonism, specifically what goes on in the LDS temples, there is no connection whatsoever to anything in the Bible. Wow. It's like you need to learn this, you know, secret handshake in order to pass through uh, the veil into into what they call the celestial kingdom or heaven, mm. Mormonism's version of heaven. Getting back to this quote from Bruce R. McConkie, what we can absolutely say is that this and all of it, it's nothing but lies. It is lies from the enemy and more than just lies, this is straight up blasphemy. We can positively (laughs) identify this as blasphemy. Joseph Smith exalts himself into the very position of honor and authority as the Messiah himself. Joseph Smith Hmm. drags the Messiah down, labels him as this rotting stump, and then exalts himself as the branch of righteousness, the prophet like Moses, the root of Jesse, and through this this work, as the JST Bible, Genesis 50, as well as the Book of Mormon teaches, through this work that God does through Joseph Smith, it brings salvation to Mm. the people. It's lies and it's straight up blasphemy. In fact, earlier, uh, in an earlier episode, we were talking about a particular hymn from the LDS Church. It's hymn 27 and it's literally praise to the man. The man there in the context is Joseph Smith. They have, there are hymns. In fact, that's one of the most popular LDS hymns. It is a song of praise to Joseph Smith directly. Wow. Praise to Joseph Smith, praise to the man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a straight up cult behavior, right? There. Oh, most I certainly. Mean. Now, when I was a member of the LDS Church and I had somebody outside that box tell me your religion is cult-like or is straight up a cult, outright refused. Like, that is so false. That is not true. We are not a cult. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We, we are a Christian religion. On the surface level, 
maybe just, you know, you're looking out across, say, a lake, and you see the surface of that water. There are aspects of Mormonism that you can say, that, that seems Christian. It seems like it's passable as a Christian faith, a Christian religion. All you need to do is just dive down a little bit beneath the surface of that water, and you realize this isn't a lake. This is a swamp. Mm. This is disgusting water. This is putrid, poisonous water. On the surface, it might look so placid and tranquil and beautiful. You just go down a little bit and you're like, this is filled with poison. And if I drink this, it's going to corrupt my mind. It's going to corrupt my heart. It's going to corrupt my soul. Mm. And so when I was a member of the LDS church, oh, I heard it all the time. Uh, Mormonism is a cult. And I would be like, absolutely not. I am so offended by that. Don't even suggest such a thing. But it's only because I was the one that was ignorant, not the person that was saying, you belong to a cult. Coming out from Mormonism and now looking back, I can, no question. I, I look at Mormonism, at its teachings, at its founding leader, Joseph Smith, and at this behavior like praise to the man, and I go, yep, it's a cult. It's, it's a cult that gives lip service to belief in God and belief in Jesus. But in reality, their faith is founded on Joseph Smith, Book of Mormon, and the church itself. So these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It, most certainly. In this context oh, in well. This, yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Jesus quotes that passage from Isaiah saying that this is like you Pharisees, you know. Yeah. Well, did Isaiah prophesy concerning you hypocrites? And in a very similar way, I see Mormonism as a, a modern-day type of religion parallel to Phariseeism. And it's, it's so similar because... We look at the Pharisees, and with the Pharisees, they gave lip service to the Torah, they gave lip service to the Hebrew scriptures, but it was the Talmud and their own traditions of the rabbis, that was their true foundation. That's what they truly believed in. That's where their heart was, their own stuff, their own man-made religion. It really is the same thing with Mormonism. And I can say it's the same thing with, say, Catholicism. These religions give lip service to the Bible, but when push comes to shove, their foundation is themselves and their own establishment. Like religion. Michael Rood often teaches that the rabbis have their takanot and their ma'asim, those things which supersede the Torah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Torah is the Torah. Right. Jesus is Jesus, mm -hmm. but then there's this. Then there's this Joseph Smith. Oh, but uh -huh. then there's the Talmud. Then there's our teachings. It's, it, it's exactly what Yeshua is referencing in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, about building your house on the rock. There's the wise that do that, and then there are the foolish that build their house on the sand. You can either build your life and everything you are, your way of thinking, your everything, your heart on the rock of truth of God and his word, or you can build your everything on the shifting sands of man's word. And that is the real danger of Mormonism, is that its foundation is not that rock. Its foundation is the sand. And its founder, this individual right here, as I've said before, 
I do not hesitate in any way whatsoever to label this blasphemous man as exactly what he is. He is a false prophet. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing that our Lord Yeshua warned us of. Now, he, certainly Joseph Smith isn't the only false prophet out there. We know from 1 John chapter 4 that many false prophets have gone out into the world, and we need to test these individuals. And that's where, really what we're doing here. We're just looking at the religion of Mormonism, we're looking at what the Bible says, and we're weighing the two, and we can see not only is Mormonism false, but it's dangerous and blasphemous. You know, you talk about the rock and the shifting sand. So let's think about this for a second. So a rock is a big rock, obviously, and shifting sand is a bunch of little rocks. Yep. Well, there's this corporate teaching that I learned way back in my ad agency days where you had the, the big rocks and then there's the small rocks. Mm. So big, big issues or big priorities followed by small priorities. And you don't reverse those two. You take the big rock first, and then you put all the small things they'll fit in between. But you, you need to deal with the big rock first. Right. Otherwise, you will never be able to fit in the big rock. Mm. So by putting man's stuff first, all the little rocks, the sand, the shifting sand, we will never have room to put Yeshua in, and we will be filled with all the sand that yeah. shifts, and we cannot build upon it. He... he in a religion that is 100% of man, inspired by the devil himself, there is no room for the true Messiah. Mm. There's no room for Yeshua. He is pushed aside, and in this case, is literally labeled as a dead, decaying stump. Wow. Whereas man, Joseph Smith in particular, is exalted. We have to talk about the Book of Abraham. That's coming up next time. Okay. We have to talk about the book of Abraham. Okay, so come back next week. We'll, we'll talk about it. You come back too. We got to hear about this book of Abraham thing. I don't know what this is, but this is going to be, a, you wouldn't have left it to the end if it wasn't a bombshell. So we're going to talk about this. I and mean, who knows if that's the end? Maybe we'll have more. So you have to come in next week. Tune in next week to Shabbat Night Live to find out. Jay Hilton will be back here. I'll be back here. I hope you'll be back here. Until then, Shavua Tov. Have a great week. 